0: bed than all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here on a Tuesday. Hope you're all doing well. Looks like we're going to have some decent weather finally after this big old cold snap war- went through. I mean, it was freezing, but you know, Oklahoma... One day is one thing, one day is another. You never know. So, I first off have a double shot of Rich Fraser from Cockatrice Nuggets talking about leveling up and factions. Go ahead, Rich.
1: Hey, Glenn. I got a double for you. This is Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets. Uh, experience and leveling. Um, it's really... Uh, it's It's got to be group to group, you know? And as a DM, I don't mind managing these things. Um i i like experience we're doing experience for gold in one of my campaigns right now um, and the other campaign that i'm running we're doing um, checkpoints or dots or um, low experience points if you will um, eight dots point sections gets you a level and each dot is roughly uh equivalent of an hour doing something that moves the campaign forward so if we play eight hours which is usually about two and a half sessions uh then they're going to level up um, I got this from Xanathar's Guide to Everything from uh, 5th edition. Um, it Theirs is a little different. I tweaked mine. I think, uh, actually, I don't know if it's 8 or 10 for mine. Uh, anyway, I'm going to hit you up and talk about factions next. Alright, again, Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets. Let's talk about factions. Uh, this is uh, my my struggling point right now. Um, the, uh, the Guild Guide to Ravnica for, for 5th edition. I guess I'm plugging boxy stuff right now. Um, really kind of set me on line to uh, get my faction set up and going and um, kind of give them something to grasp onto, because the, the, the half the book is about, well, the whole book is about these ten factions basically. Um, so it really gave me some solid ideas and some uh, solid um, uh, profiles, I guess, uh, templates to work from. I really like yours, though. In fact, I'm going to go back and listen to this episode again because it had some really good stuff upon building a faction from the bottom up. And I've got a couple that I to do that with, so, and that was a damn good advice.
0: So, thank you, Glenn. Talk to you soon. And I thank you, Rich. Thank you for those voicemails. Okay. I, I, so Xandathar's Guide had that in there, huh? I guess we're thinking along the same lines. I, I wouldn't doubt it. But I like, like I said, I like doing adventure-based XP even though, you know, XP for gold, I understand that. I don't know how it would apply to the adventure-based XP. But one thing I like about adventure-based XP is it keeps me on my toes. Because if you figure, if you're playing it by, even if you have, like, if you've organized, okay, so many adventures, they get a level. So many adventures, they get a level. And split it maybe up into sessions or something. I don't know. But even if you have a rigid you know, you have that organization. Or if you play it by ear, you've got to worry about part, what you're throwing up against the party. It makes me think about more about what I'm throwing up against the party. Because it could easily get out of hand. If I don't give them a level up every once in a while, and they run into a room where they can't handle it, that's my bad. Because, well, it could be their bad too if they don't run away, but... If they do run away, or well, if it's a TPK, it's a TPK. But if they do run away, that should give me a red flag right there. Okay, I better either readjust the encounter. And I'm not saying, you know, once again, you know me, me and encounter balance, we're not friends. But at the same time, I got to put up a red flag saying, okay, this is too much for them now. So I have a choice of either rejiggering the encounter, which I am loath to do or start thinking about leveling them up. So, like I said, that gives that keeps me on my toes, it keeps me alert, and hopefully it won't get a TPK. <laughs> as far as organizations go, I, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Thank you very much. That's just sort of off the top of my head. I was just trying to think practically about it. And, you know, every, every game has to have some kind of organization, whether it's a a spy organization or a wizard's guild or a thieves guild. I mean, these are all organizations. So if you start thinking like that, it's easier to build them from the ground up. Anyway, Rich, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, here's something that has been sticking in my craw for quite a while. It's campaign tone. And what I mean is, When I first started doing Astonishing Swordsman, I played it with this group I used to play on on Saturday, and I was all hepped up into the the Pulp Fantasy thing with the Conan and all that kind of stuff, and I started running it, and midway through, one of the players turned to me and said, you know, this doesn't really feel like Pulp Fantasy, this just feels like a regular D&D game. And that, I went, Huh? Which told me a couple things. One, I need to do a little more research into pulp fantasy. And two, I got to think about what goes into my game. Because it's what you take sometimes art, uh, my philosophy sometimes is art is a taking away. You try and, I try and limit myself when I create something. So, I want to see if I can work within those limitations and make something original. And I wanted that pulp fantasy feel of like the Conan movies or the books or the, you know, that real weird fantasy type stuff. And I'm starting to get it now. I'm getting it now with my Monday group because I had to sit down and give a good hard look about what I was trying to achieve as a tone. The book helps. if it's a good rule book, it will help you do that. Astonishing Swordsman helps me just by reading through it because Jeff Tolanian really nails what pulp fantasy is all about. Yes, it is swords, it's magic and things like that, but there's just, sometimes it's, let me me put it this way, sometimes it's kind of hard to nail a tone, the tone you're going for I mean things can help like music and sound effects and props and things like that. Those are all helpers. But you've got to kind of rejigger your mind, turn your mind around and understand what goes into the you gotta understand the tropes. That's the thing. You gotta understand the tropes. Everybody understands the D and D tropes because it's high fantasy and you got the dwarves, the elves, the halflings, you got the tavern, you got the guy in the corner, you got the wizard's tower, you got this, that everybody understands those tropes. But if you're going into a genre where you kinda have an idea of what it's all about, see this this is a this is a pitfall to me for sort of some GMs. They want to run a game in a genre where they think they know it, but they really don't. Maybe they skimmed over it or something. Like gangbusters. How many people can run a 1920s gangster scenario without researching it without immersing yourself in it. Watch the movies. Read what they have to say online about them. Things like that. So, I went back and... I'm not much of a fiction reader, but I read a couple of Howard stories. I also pulled out my old Marvel Conan and my a few of my issues of Savage Sword of Conan and read through them. Watched Arnie again in the two Conan movies. Some people should say, "Well, I should watch the, the more race, But I like it. that's the feel I'm going for. Though is that those movies, that especially the first one, Conan the Barbarian, that's the feel I'm going for. And then you go back into your game and find out what works and what don't for whatever you want to do. Like I said, astonishing sources makes it easy because they've done part of my work for me. For instance there's no demihumans all all races of men no dragons there's a few monsters that you expect to be in there that are not in there and also look at things like modern modern like weapons and things like that what here here's here's part of the tone of the thing I was talking about in that book they have what they call artifacts, which are like ray guns and force fields and things like that. But you have to kind of dress it in the pulp fantasy world. you got to place it in the pulp fantasy world in a certain way because all of the artifacts that my characters, or my player characters are going to find, are things with, it's got, you look at it, It's it's kind of a ray gun with these swirls on there and weird runes or some kind of language that you can't really read some kind of alien language because to me it came either a long time ago or even more recently like spaceships crash and other beings show up and things like that at like, least you don't know, think like ancient astronauts that kind of thing so that's how you got to think about it you can't just go okay they find an ak-47 No, they don't find an AK forty-seven. They find this weird stick with a handle and a trigger that's got these weird, like shaped runes. It doesn't really look like it was made to, for for humans to hold. But you can manage to hold it. It throws out lightning, or a beam that disintegrates stuff, or things like that. You got to start think back, Buck Rogers. Think back, uh, Flash Gordon. Flash, if you know, if Flash Gordon stuff is kind of kind of the way you want to do it not want to do it but I mean you want, that's the kind of thing you want to add so you would kind of describe it that way I, for years for years I had a problem with expedition to the barrier peaks because I always felt Dave Otterson just kind of plopped the spaceship in there and the way he was described telling the, the DM to describe things and it's like oh come on yeah this is a ray gun yeah, this is a, this is a levitation belt. This is stuff you find in Gamma World. And it's no, 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 no. You, you're just not doing it right. You gotta, you gotta explain it. It, it. It's all alien to you, but at the same time, it's the the same thing, but it's not the tone. It's not the tone. So you have to think about the tone. You got to think about what the landscape look like. What these alien artifacts are all about. How which monsters are there. Which monsters are not there. They do have orcs and such, but they don't have dragons and things like that. So and also sometimes you have to substitute stuff. Okay, they don't have dragons, but these heroes end up fighting these really weird monsters either from the stars or from under the earth or something like that that are dragon, not dragon-like, but I mean they have as much of a threat as a dragon, but they're mostly one-offs. So, I mean, you think about Conan fighting all these all these weird monsters. He doesn't know what they are, but he's going to kick their butt anyway. So that's the kind of thing you have to think about. So, the tone. The tone is very important, to me anyway. So, I'm going to go start my day. And if you guys want to talk about this, give me an email. or old at oldmangrogner at gmail.com or a voicemail at Anchor. <laughs> we are monetized now, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program. And I would thank you again, Jonathan, Jonathan, Dorje, Wendell, Jessen, and... Oliver Sheik, you guys are my number one and number two patron. Thank you. So until I see you next time, keep the dice warm. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.